0: As I lay there and I thought about him saying he's a black man, I thought about the ships that went into Fort Monroe and Jamestown with our people on them over 400 years ago. And how there were also black men on those ships that were responsible for bringing our people over here. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sell-out Negroes that sold our people into slavery and helped white men to capture our people, to abuse them and to traffic them while our women were raped, while our men were raped by savages. Mm. That is who you are, Daniel Karen. You are a coward, You are a sellout, and you were used by the system to harm your own mama, your own black mama. We have no respect for you, no respect for your black skin, because all of our skin folk ain't our kin folk, and you do not belong to black people at all.
1: What up? What up? What up? And it'd be nice if I turned my camera on so y'all could see me. Hey, hey, hey. Hello and happy Monday, and welcome back to another episode of Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen, and with you today, I'm gonna go ahead and let my co-hosts introduce themselves, and then we'll get into the discussion. Shout out to Tamika Mallory for those powerful, powerful words, because um, the meaning of them is not lost on us. So go ahead, take it away, Anaya. Introduce yourself. Hi everyone, my
2: name is Anaya, and I will be incoming junior.
1: Perfect, and Miss Melissa.
2: Hi guys, my name is Melissa, and I am an incoming sophomore.
1: Oops, sophomore and juniors, okay, Miss Janice?
2: Hi, my name is
3: Janice, and I'm a 15-year-old incoming sophomore.
1: Okay, Miss Lex? Hi y'all, my
3: name is Lex. I am a graduated senior incoming freshman in college, 17 years old in the Sacramento area.
1: Yay, and she made it. We didn't have to t- take it. her, drag, in, drag her down the aisle <laughs> and make her get that diploma. <laughs> that's what's up. And Mariah, go ahead and round us out, love. Hi, guys. My name is Mariah. I'm a 16-year-old and coming senior. All right. So we, we looks like we need to recruit a freshman somewhere. I got sophomores mm-hmm. and juniors and senior. Okay. That's what's up. So, you guys, you you got a chance to watch uh, Miss Tamika Mallory. Um during her press conference, um, I guess they were talking about Miss Brianna Taylor and the fact that the attorney general, I think that's who he was, uh, the attorney general in that state, was that Kentucky, right? I think it was Kentucky. Um, the attorney general de- declined to press charges. And so our topic today is all skin folk ain't kin folk. And that's one example, but we're going to bring it back locally here um, because we can probably point out numerous uh, times when we felt left down let down by the people on our school campuses by the people in positions of power who look like us that don't always have our int- our best interests at heart um and uh like i told y'all when we first started this podcast everybody can get it um black folks are not immune to having black versus the board of education come after them too because if they're in the education system that means they are fair game so When we started talking uh, today, I was asking you guys, do you have any specific examples that you wanted to kind of share with us to let us learn kind of from your experience? So I'm going to kick it to Mariah. You said you had a student uh, that you wanted to talk about and how that those interactions with your fellow classmates, how that helps or how that shapes how you see yourself on campus. So let's get into it, ladies, it's, it's about that time. So Mariah, what what type of um, example would you give to make it more real to the people who may be watching today?
4: So I'm the BSU president at my school, but before the time I was BSU president, our BSU actually hosted a like walkout. So we can address as Black students the inequities that we're facing on our campuses. So you know, as so I was advertising it to my classmates, my friends, a particular girl, one of my classes she was like oh I'm not going to partake in that that's ghetto and I don't want to be associated with that oh go do that
1: okay so so time out (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay so um what was ghetto about this walkout exactly what do y'all think what what was she referring to does she mean ghetto uh, equals black exactly what is she talking about Janice? I don't know if
5: ghetto would be considered standing up for what's right, but if it is, then I guess we all ghetto, because we're not going to sit here while inequities are being performed and not say nothing about it. If anything, sis is being complacent. I wouldn't consider as mm. ghetto, sis, you're being complacent. Things-
6: Anaya, what do you think? I agree with, with Janice. like Is taking a stand for yourself and standing up for what's right, is that considered ghetto? I don't understand what her definition of that was. Or could
1: it be that maybe she was scared? Melissa, what do you think?
2: I think her going against administration and what they're trying to make everyone mm-hmm. follow, maybe that's her definition of ghetto. Um, maybe she was scared going against administration, going against people who are in higher power and who act like they have authority over us in a mm-hmm. negative way. She could have been scared.
1: Do you think that's a real fear that um, black students have when they are thinking about standing up for themselves and they're going against kind of going against the grain? Is that a real fear or is it something that you think keeps you from actually yielding your power because of the fear of what you've, you know, false evidence appearing real? Um, do you think, you know, go ahead. You unmuted. So, so what you saying? It's
3: definitely a fear. I know I used to be really scared of doing things and I didn't have to be the type of person to be like, okay, I'm gonna go talk to this, because I had my dad doing that for me. But now since I'm growing and getting older and getting more mature, I had to start um, stepping up for myself. So I've been doing that lately. And it's definitely just scary in general. But it's also scary because I'm black and trying to stand up for myself. Because like I said, normally, we're at the bottom. So us trying to speak, they'll just kick us down or they put extra consequences on us because they can get away with that and they know they can So it's mm-hmm. like, do I want to stand up for myself and risk this? And so the girl that Mariah mentioned, she might have just been jealous that other people are confident enough in themselves to speak out on the issue. So she might have just been upset calling everyone else ghetto because she's not confident enough in herself to be like, okay, I'm going to stand up for what's right.
5: Yeah, Mm. I think it's a fear within a lot of students, because I've encountered a lot of students who they won't say anything to a teacher, like a teacher could treat them completely different than our counterparts. And they wouldn't say a word just because of the fact that they're scared. Like they think, okay, well, they're allowed to talk to me like this. They're allowed to do this. They're allowed to do that. And ever since I've been in BYLP, I've been more so you're not allowed to talk to me like this. You can't, you're not going to sit here and yell at me, because did you just yell at that student like that? No, so why are you going to sit here and talk to me like that? And when I have a problem about it, I make sure I address it to someone I know. I make sure I either tell my mom. And if my mom isn't there or it's kind of above her head, I make sure I let Miss Loree know. And I'm at the EGUSD meeting speaking out about the injustices because at the end of the day, there are um, consequences for actions. These people don't just act and not get away with it. At the end of the day, thou shalt reap what thou sowest.
1: That's right. And make sure uh, if y'all are coming tomorrow to give commentary for Elk Grove's uh, board meeting, uh, do that tonight. Submit your comments tonight. You can tell them you want to be live on Facebook. I'm sorry, on in uh, what is that? Zoom? <laughs> or you can have them read it. Um, but we definitely want to hear your voices because your voices are really the only thing that matters Um because without students, there would be nothing to teach. And so a lot of people, or nothing to administrate, and a lot of people would be out of jobs. So you all yield a lot more power than you think. So Mariah, when you said, because I cut you off, because you said ghetto, and that that was a trigger word for me. Um. So what ended up happening in your scenario with that young lady? Did she not, just not participate? She ended up not participating, but I did have another discussion with her about talking about how like,
4: being black isn't synonymous with being ghetto. Like it's not synonymous with, oh, being whitewashed, like you're acting white. Like mm-hmm. it's just finding your place, like clearly black students are displaced on this campus. So how are we going to find out how we belong? And we do that through unity and solidarity. And I get, you know, that fear. And I think that fear that's installed into students, black students specifically, is like why we're afraid to speak out and like speak out against administration and speak out against our teachers. Because not everyone has a Miss Lorene on campus. Or not yet. Uh, not yet.
5: <laughs> <laughs> we working on it. We
4: working on it, y'all. We amazing. Yeah, right? like, I can understand the fear, but in the moment, how she just called what we were doing, like, ghetto, and, like, kind of beneath her, that, like, hurt. Because it's mm-hmm. hard to create something when, like, people are constantly bashing it. So, gotcha.
6: yeah. I can relate to that. Not... You- so there was a walkout when I was in eighth grade, and the principal was there. Some girls had said, we're going to do a walkout, and then, um, so we did it, and I was going out, and I was in math class, and the teacher, I'm not going to say that, you know, she was racist or biased or anything, but it was just, her reaction was weird because she said, you if you leave, I'm going to mark you truant, which basically means absent or late, you know and I was like, we've been in class for like 20 minutes. I'm not late, I've been here. Plus the principal and the staff are outside, like the security people and everything. So mm-hmm. then she was like, if you leave, you're gonna be marked true. So I was like, I was just like, what do I do? Cause I, I care about my school and everything, but I also care about a black life being lost. So I was like, you know what? Okay, that's fine. You can go talk to my mom about that. I'm gonna leave. So then what happened was while we were gone, she said to this one kid and he told me after, She was like, don't open the door for them when they wanted to come back in. I'm going to give you guys a test because you guys stayed here. And since they didn't take the test because they're not here, they're going to get Fs in the class. So she basically gave a test because we weren't there. But she Mm. didn't end up giving the test. But that's what they were saying. But I'm like, y'all stood there and y'all listened to her say that about us. Y'all listened to her say, don't open the door for them. And y'all didn't say anything.
5: I remember that walkout because I was a 7th grader and you were an 8th grader because we went to the same school and I remember dealing with a lot of teachers at that school because I had walked out that day too and I remember just getting up out of class and leaving. I wasn't, I'm more so always been the type to, you know, just act first and think of consequences later. Now I more so contemplate the consequences, but it comes with, when it comes to dealing with these teachers though, I just act first because my first mind be like, you know what, that's right, I'm not going to sit here and say something because if I think on it, then they're going to kind of move on to the subject because teachers love to break black students off so as soon as i think it as soon as i feel it i'm saying it right then and there and that's why i walked about that classroom i did not get
1: okay so let's do this hold on real quick lex hold on real quick so for folks who are um watching or listening right now what is the purpose of the walkout
5: I honestly, when it came to our school, there wasn't like a set in stone purpose, but everybody had walked out because of a life had just been lost. I, for, I forget who had passed, but somebody had passed and it was because it was like an injustice. I think it was police brutality. And I correct me if I was wrong, but everybody was like, okay, well, this is the day. And then we heard it like it was kind of on social media, like a lot of students were doing it inside the Elk Grove Unified School District. A lot of kids from different schools were doing it. So our school, the kids at our school, they're like, okay, well, we're walking out this day. And every in the morning, like everybody like meets up in the morning before Corona was like, you know, a thing. And then after that, we all, what's the face? We all met up in the morning. We all talked about it. And then I, um in the class, I forgot which period it was, but then everybody walked out.
6: Second period.
1: So Anaya said it was second period, but it's really important when you guys do something, you take a stand for something that you know why you're doing it. Right. So it was something about that life loss that told you, okay, was it? A way of protesting? Well, was it okay. what, what was the purpose of it? Because a lot of times people think that young people don't have a clue and that you guys are following trends. So, what was it about this particular incident that caused you to walk out? What was the purpose of the walkout?
6: Well, um, I don't know if this can be considered a purpose, but when we got into the cafeteria altogether, we had kind of like an intervention thing where we talked where the principal asked us these questions and everything and then we talked about how it felt to be black and you know there, there were people that were there that weren't black and everything but they still came to support so we talked about how it felt to be black what the world can do our frustrations what teachers could do so I think it was more so getting together and talking about how we felt so that can be our out- outlet
1: okay and, and so the- go ahead Janice
6: I was going to say, and bringing awareness,
5: because at that school, we're referring to Edward Harris Middle School in um, Sacramento, California.
1: There wasn't a black student. said no growth, though, because it's across the street from my house. I'm just saying. Go ahead. Proceed.
5: I I don't remember there, there being like, you know, like a BSU or like, you know, BSU meetings and stuff like that. We didn't have that there. So it was just more so bringing awareness to the things that this isn't right. And it needs to be put on the front line because teachers, they don't really acknowledge the things that happen in the system. They just push on the day push on teaching the lesson so i feel like you know when you when you have like 10 of your students walking out thinking like oh like what's going on like what wasn't happening so i feel like it was important for me at the time it was like you know what like another black man was shot that could have been my brother like that could have been anybody i knew so at the end of the day i'm gonna walk out of this classroom because what if it was i would want people to do the same for me And there are a lot of people grieving. There are a lot of people hurting like that hurt the community. And it was Stefan Clark, if um, I'm recalling, right? That's why everybody I walked out and that's not okay. And some teachers, they don't even be aware themselves. So it's, you know, more so a teaching moment for some of the teachers and the staff who had no clue.
1: See, I'm glad you had an answer, right? So when people ask you, why are you doing something? You know why you're doing it. You have a reason be able to articulate that reason. And so I saw the question, it says, what if black scholars started a union? So that's probably aside from your BSU because that's like a club what he's talking about, you know, how you have these power players in, in sc- certain school districts that come in, you have people like SCIU. you have CTA, which is the teachers union. He's talking about a legit kids union that goes in and pushes these policies, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Is that right, Mr. Gaskins? That's the type of union you're talking about, not a club on, on campus. We'll get his answer and we'll follow back up. So as, as you guys are going through school and you're, you're, first of all, you don't have a lot of black teachers on your campuses. Um, number two, some of the black teachers on your campuses are part of the problem. Um and so so that he said yes indeed, that's what he was talking about. So that's what we talking about. Um but some of the black teachers on your campuses are part of the problem. Can you guys tell us a time in which you've um kind of come into contact with uh, these folks and what it had you thinking in that moment because a lot of times we feel like if we get somebody on campus who looks like us that they're going to think the way that we think they're going to be concerned about um, our trajectory and how we move about so does anyone have a specific example that they can kind of tell us about so that we can kind of discuss it go ahead Miss mm-hmm. Janice. you didn't mm-hmm. already unmute mm-hmm. yes. it before i've finished my sentence go ahead mama yes. <laughs> i do I can refer to a time
5: to when I was in, I had a principal and it was more so I would always think, you know, okay, like he looks like me, I can gravitate toward him, but it was more so I never really felt that connection with him as I seen my white and Asian and Hispanic counterparts, as I did with my vice principal, my vice principal was white, like he was a white dude, like super white, like red hair, like blue eyes type of dude. And when I tell you he was my homie, like he looked out for me more than I felt like my principal did and my principal was the same color as me, so it was just more so. And then I had a teacher, Um, it was my math teacher, I tell you, I loved her so much. Her name was Mr. So She's amazing. She was the best teacher ever. And she did not look like me, but it was more so out of all the teachers at that school, I felt the most love from her. And I went through a Black teacher at that school, and I didn't feel it like that. I didn't feel mm-hmm. that connection or none of that, but more so my other teacher and the prince, the vice principal, who was white, they just loved on me like like crazy. And my black principal, I would watch him, you know, kind of more so acknowledge the, the students of other races more than he would acknowledge the black kids it, outside of the athletes, outside of the athletes, because the athletes, they were just, you know, Holy grail, you know, knees honor to the athletes. They're amazing. But outside of that, it was never, I never really felt that, oh, if I had a problem, I'm going to go talk to him. No, I always want to go to my vice principal or my math teacher. I never ever felt the need or that there was a connection there as if he was, you know, more so there for me as he was my other students. I never felt that about him. And honestly, to this day, I still don't because I understand why, though, because when you put teachers, and especially Black people, in those positions, they have to maintain them. And you know how you get there is how you got to maintain, and it's not easy to stay at the top. And you know, all skin folk is not Kim folk.
1: <laughs> and then you go on mute. That was that was your drop the mic. <laughs> that was your drop the mic uh, Ooh, moment. Good. Good. Um, absolutely, and I believe that. Um, if people were really um, concerned, kind of about what was going on, um, they would put pick more people who were um, about the students and about the students' um, success instead of uh, putting in. I, I like to call them gatekeepers. These are people that keep people out the way. Um, the people that are sent, you know, the Negro whispers that are sent to calm the black folks down. Um, I can remember a time I went to one school and I'm. I mean, I, I won't say any names, but I went to this one school and this one young man was facing, they were accusing him of sexual assault. It had already made the news. Um, they had already determined he was guilty before there was even like a, a real conversation. So I get to this campus uh, and of course I brought an attorney in tow because I'm smarter than that. Um, we get to this campus and they send in the black dude. And I'm like, So I asked some questions, very, very basic questions, because if you're accusing somebody of something, you would have some details, right? So I asked some basic questions, and he didn't know any answer to my questions. And so I said, oh, so they sent you in here to calm down the Black people. Okay, I want to talk to the person who wrote up this report because you don't know enough. And that set off a chain reaction of a couple of things. Um, And then the next time that I had to come, he wanted, after we figured out that this this case, this young lady was lying about what transpired because I'm smart enough to call different departments here in this city and say, hey, does that camera in that park work and can I get the footage, that type of thing? And so when I went the next day, they requested that this young person sign a sexual harassment um, waiver or under acknowledgement or something before he can go back to class. And my question was, well, if we found out that the young ladies were lying, why would he have to sign it? Are they signing it too? To which he told me no. And I'm like, okay, well, then he's not signing it.
6: That's weird because when that happened to me at school, when the guy did that to me at school, we both had to sign a contract basically telling us not to talk about it for another year. Why
1: would you talk? Wait, hold on. (laughs) Okay, so flip side, right? It's a young lady. Something happened on campus. I don't know because we haven't talked. This is the first time I'm hearing this. So you said that they made both of you sign something. Yes. And they tried to get me kicked out of the class when he did that to me. And they tried to get you kicked out of the class. Yes. Let me ask you something. Were y'all both black? Yes. Okay. So was he an athlete? No. Was he some sort of special designated student someplace? No.
6: He always got into trouble. He was always in the office doing something to somebody. So I don't know. When was this? Seventh grade.
1: Oh girl, we, we okay. So they made both of you sign something. Yeah. So, so in like this in particular case, one, they
6: shouldn't have both of
1: them. Well, right. he ain't signing nothing because it was determined that she was lying based on screenshots. See, yeah. y'all got to be careful with that Snapchat. That Snapchat. If people screenshot, we still got the information. Okay. Um. But my my point is they sent in this black dude who didn't know nothing to calm down the black people. He's supposed to present himself as an ally of sorts. Right. And you get in there and he don't know, but he knows he's going to take the fall. If something transpires, he, they used him in that situation because they, they ended up having to go get the dude that wrote it, the white guy that wrote up uh, this thing. And then he came in with the information. And so when I had to go back to the campus because they wanted him to sign something, I said, no, And they were like, well, he can't go back to class. I said, well, if everybody isn't signing, nobody's signing. And you know where he was? He was back in class. You know what he signed? Not a damn thing. You know why? Because we're not playing that. When we label our young men who are not guilty of things, that follows them, right? You know, they don't let Black kids off. They just don't. And so when I went back in to talk to this dude, this dude told me I was aggressive and I was a bully. The Black dude, I'm like. Oh, you're not used to women challenging your authority. That sounds like a personal problem. That's not my problem. That's your problem. But the point is a lot of times they don't know how to not be in that gatekeeper mode. He should have been trying to protect that kid. Once he found out that what he was being accused of was not true.
2: And then the other
1: problem I had, hold on real quick, real quick, I'm gonna come to you. Sorry. But the other problem that I had on that campus is they were talking openly about this case in front of the people working in the office. Because they did that, that young person who was in the office put it out on social media. They had this family dealing with uh, threats of being beat up. And the school sent out a statement saying this is what happened without any investigation. And then when they found out it was a lie, they did not print a retraction. And they didn't send out a retraction email or letter to the parents. But I'm gonna stop. Go ahead, Janice, what you saying? I was gonna say it's very crazy and
5: it's so ridiculous how people and like it's more so this society, they see black as a friendly face. So they always try and, you know, Send the black person in. Send the black person to talk to them. When you don't want another race, you know, you'll send the black people in. And then they always try to throw us at each other as if we're just going to agree and bow down because we're the same complexion. No, we're coming for you, too, especially if you're not on what's right. Everybody can get it. It's very ridiculous how they think, oh, well, I'm going to send a black person and maybe they can calm the crazy black person down. No, if anything, that just adds fuel to the fire because you're sitting here trying to send somebody in to make the situation seem less than it is or to try and calm the situation down when the situation should be taken in seriously. Because if it was any other race, everybody would be, you know, calling police, filing police reports, doing all this other stuff, doing all the extra stuff. But when it comes to black people, they want to send someone in to calm us down. But if it were a white person, they'd probably try and send in a warrior.
1: Boom! <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> you already know. That's why it's important. Um, and uh, Miss Christina, I did. I'm gonna put her comment back up here. Um, we don't know why the victims are being penalized. That's what you see a lot with um the bullying that's happening on campuses. Um. That's what we're seeing. They're being penalized. They're not being protected. And when they go off and do something to defend themselves, then they're suspended and or expelled. Um, And absolutely never sign anything. Matter of fact, (laughs) what I like to remind y'all is you have the right to remain silent. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth until you get an adult in there that can come in and match that energy. The problem is a lot of y'all want to fight for yourselves and you're ill-equipped. Y'all need to wait for your parent or a a safe adult to come in there and to help you. Do not sign any statements because number one, these people are not good at investigatory methods because they don't know how to do that. All they can do is let me talk to you. Okay, let me talk to you. Okay, based on our professional judgment, they they don't know. (laughs) Shut up. Get in there and be quiet until you get somebody in there. You have the right to remain silent. Use that right. Um, Because that's what they exploit. They exploit that time and time again. And they use your people to help them exploit it. Most of these districts, you know who's in charge of the final disposition of discipline in your districts? Do y'all know? Most of the time it's a black dude. Most of the time. In your legal compliance, they got at least one person that looked like you in there trying to figure out how to circumvent the system so they can protect the school district. Y'all better understand all skin folk and kin folk—that's a real thing. Um, can I say I'd like to? No, um, you can't say nothing. I'm playing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I I just wanted to think um, how you said you know a lot of people in these big um, places are also black people. I'm thinking, do some of these people go into these places thinking, okay, I'm going to do the best for my community, I'm going to lift them up, but then they get tied down with a bunch of things so they can keep their positions or keep the places that they are in because they know if if they do speak out sometimes, that means their job is, um, if they could get fired or something like that could happen. Because I know that there is some just genuinely bad pe- Black people, but I also know that there are some people who are trying to do things, but you know, they just can't because at the position there, and everyone's looking at them. One wrong move, or one move to helping our our community, even though they can't, could result in them losing their job or their um, reputation being screwed. So
5: honestly, I don't. I don't I'm not even gonna see here I want every type of person to see here and make excuses for people. Because if you want us to get in a position to try and change things and make things better, when you get in that position, you better do that. At the end of the day, you're not qualified for that position if you're not scared to lose it like how like if you not you don't really want that position if you're not scared to lose it because at the end of the day if one thing is ticking for you i'm sure there's something 10 times better out there for you if you're not going to come in here and be a principal of this school what you know 100 you know disproportionate discipl- disciplinary rates toward black students and you're not going to come in and try and change it and you're not going to be scared to it, and you're just not you're going to be willing to lose your job you better be because at the end of the day it might happen it's going to it can happen to anybody so you shouldn't be in the position if you're not scared because there's a risk to everything there's a risk to everything. And when it comes to us, if one student is still being treated badly, then nobody's doing good in the system. The system is still failing.
1: Come on, talk to him. Come on, Melissa. What I, you got to yeah, say? yeah,
2: I agree with Janice. Um, don't try and come into that position trying to make a change if you're scared to lose your job. You're there to make the change. And if you lose your job, you know that you tried your best and you can go somewhere else and try and make that change or a bigger change, but don't get in, try and get into that position. And then suddenly you're afraid of the power because the power, white supremacy, that power that is controlling that job, which is making it bad for the black students, that's what you're trying to beat. So you can't be afraid of that and also try to combat it. Mm. So don't come into that job trying to make a change if you're also scared. You can't be scared trying to make a change. That's, nothing will happen.
1: You're right, Mariah.
4: This is kind of like what I've been experiencing because one of my BSU advisors has just become a, and he listens to the podcast. So it's going to be an interesting conversation later, but he's just recently become one of the teacher, in, like the teacher in charge on my campus. And so like last year before, like his new position, he was rocking with us. Like we was like, yeah, we're going to be vocal. We're going to be out here. BSU is going to get stuff done. And then like, now it's kind of like that energy floated off into the admin space is he's just like oh yeah talk to miss brown
1: and miss kishan now to get it done and
4: i'm like but you the admin guy
1: the-
5: well
4: Ooh. first
1: of all let's be clear a teacher in charge is just a teacher doing the admin job without the pay let's be clear about that uh number two again um it's hard to operate in a space that tells you, that constantly reinforces for you that you're really powerless in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, What I will say about this district in particular is There are people in positions that know what's happening with black students that because they are afraid, like you said, Janice, to lose their job. They're not going to rock the boat and they're not going to back up our kids. That's how we gain such a foothold in this district, because we're saying things that people don't want to say or can't say they can't fire me. They can fire them. And a lot of these administrators are at will employees. There is no union for them. They are not protected. So when you're thinking about things in in the context, it's important that you understand teachers are tenured, teachers are protected by CTA. CTA is a problem because they don't get rid of bad teachers. Number two, your administrators, they don't have a union. They get to do whatever they're told. Maybe it's attitude reflecting leadership and the leadership is weak. I don't know what it is, but what we're not going to do is we're not gonna have black people in positions making it harder for black folks to survive in this district or any other district that I happen to be called to. It's unacceptable. And for for one of y'all, <laughs> one of your administrators told me they cannot hold white kids responsible for saying the N word because black kids say it. And he said this to us in a meeting with these parents and I almost flipped my lid and he said, listen, I just have to, you know, I got kids that I'm putting through school. I just gotta maintain. And it's like on the backs of these kids, I'm sorry, no. He's- and then he proceeded to stand up and over me as if that was intimidating to me. And I said, I don't like when men stand over me. <laughs> like, I'm gonna just let you know right now. <laughs> I don't, don't I mean, what's the point of that, right? And so you have to be clear There are people who are in positions who are going to be detrimental because like you said, they don't want to put that livelihood at stake. And it don't matter if it's 100 black kids or one. They don't care as long as they got theirs. And that's my problem with gatekeepers. Janice. I was
5: just I just I just got mad because I heard that before. I've heard that throughout my whole middle school year the kids the white kids would never get punished for saying the n-word but as soon as our vice principal we had two vice principals a male and a female and then our principal was a black man as soon as oh as soon as a black kid would say the n-word it was just like all holy grail like oh my gosh you're going to the office you're going to OCS. why are you talking like that but then you have this white kid and he's sitting here cussing kids out calling them all type of names and i'm not talking about just the n-word i'm talking about like you know nigger like I've heard kids say that and there was no consequences, no repercussions, nothing at all. And it really pisses me off because of the fact that that word has history, that word has pain connected to it. There's so much that goes into saying that word. And I feel like a lot of black boys it's more so they're not as educated. They wouldn't think of when they say it. They're not thinking of, oh, my gosh, the history that lies with it. They're just, oh, OK, my homie. That's another word for, you know, my homie, my friend. And at the end of the day, you're not you're not you're not skin folk. You can't say the words that a skin folk say, you're not, you're not our race. So at the end of the day, I feel like simple as that. It's not okay that our race says it, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't be justified if a kid of another race were to say it because it's not okay, like at all. And I hear it in school every day. I'm in summer school and I hear kids say that word all day and the teachers do nothing about it. It's like they've given
1: up,
6: like they don't care
1: well but but you know if they were say to institute a zero tolerance policy for that word who's gonna get in trouble all the black people. oh right, y'all can unmute and tell them tell the audience who's gonna get in trouble if they mm-hmm. ever all the black, a zero all the black. Of oh, black
3: students
1: <laughs> so it's like it's it's like a, a catch-22 in a sense so you're asking them to enforce the use of this word with the hard er they know the difference but it also in my mind it's about who's complaining about it who's submitting the complaint what was the context in which it was said like after all these years there's nobody smart enough who can discern between the two the differences between the two and i i I don't apologize for black people using the n-word that's people's personal preference if they want to use that word so be it but to have somebody come in with vitriol and use that word in in the attachment that they're doing it with. If a student says, this is what I was called, they have the obligation to follow up and I don't care what their justification is for it. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that we even have to have this conversation after so many years, Um, but it's a way for them to justify non-action. It just is, it just is what it is. And they're using our folks to do it. Um it's it's annoying um because I have sat in a few different districts. Um I've sat with a few dish, different um black folks in in different positions and I always kind of uh leave um upset in a sense. Um because if there was not a me going from district to district, you know, trying to protect black kids just how bad black kids would be steamrolled um into the school to prison pipeline. I mean, that's a real thing. Um, And and I don't think that people really think about, you know, the impact of having police officers on campus, um, the impact of having exclusionary discipline on campus. Black students are statistically at the bottom of every category in every district except discipline. What is this we want to bring them to heal? Yeah, Hillary Clinton said that. And that's the mantra that they use. What is this black kids need discipline more often than other kids? I'm confused by that. Because I see some of these other kids, they be off the hook and and their their childhood uh, ridiculousness is overlooked and is seen as them being children. But for some reason, black students are not seen as children that will make mistakes, that will go through growing pains, and that will need us adults to come in and help them and protect them. A lot of times, we leave you all to your own devices and say, y'all go ahead and figure it out. Oh, that's going on on your campus? Okay, why don't you go ahead and talk to your teacher? Why don't you go ahead and do that? No, us parents need to get in the game And we need to figure out how to best protect you. If we're gonna keep you in this system, we have to figure out how to best protect you in a way that works for you. Because these adults, they've been in this system a very long time and they know how it operates. And so one less black student on campus, five less black students on campus is not gonna affect their bottom line. Hell, they might get a bonus. (laughs) If we're really talking about it. Because they have no problem siphoning you into special education. They have no problem putting you on on on-campus suspension so they don't have to tally those marks. We know the game and I'm glad y'all are here because y'all are learning it early. So you can do what I'm doing now and you can impact the things going on on your campuses. So when you guys are um, dealing with people who let you down, Black folks who let you down, what type of message is that sending to you? Wait, can it's I not- add
4: something in real quick?
1: You can, oh. you can always add. Come
4: on. Um, I just like remembered like, how you're talking about being in that meeting and then that district putting the only other Black face in there. It makes me think about how my school, my school specifically, about how all of our security guards are Black so and how quick teachers are to send the black security guards to try to de-escalate the black student emotions without like Mm -hmm. letting me feel about this situation like don't send this like grown man in here to try to calm me down when you're the one that upset me when you're the one that's not catering to a student's emotions about what is going on in this classroom trying to distract me from my emotions so i won't speak out so i won't be vocal so you can get back Mm. to your curriculum that's not important no address me because i have a problem with you not with the security guard you're trying to call in to get me sent out of class to go to cse that's not solving anything it's still there it's lingering what
1: is cse cardinal support center the little place where oh that's your on campus suspension yeah you know because they keep giving it new names so they can right. keep siphoning you know first it was on campus mm-hmm. intervention well first it was on campus suspension then mm-hmm. it went to on campus intervention now you are talking about a support center mm-hmm. oh that's so cute
6: they're coming, <laughs> They're coming up with new words. Like,
1: They're coming up with new things. Okay, and so that's what we're I mean. that's what we're seeing, though, Mariah. Exactly what mm-hmm. you're saying. They're using black folks in here, get, putting them in place to administer discipline. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So you never really get to the nurturing, the support, the the love, the guidance. What you get is punitive stuff, right? And so I'm trying to figure out. Why do you think that's happening? It's ridiculous. I think, it's ridiculous. I feeling, Go ahead.
3: Because I know I'm kind of similar to Mariah on my campus. So, only we don't have any black teachers. I think we may have one. Um, And I feel so like. So, do you not
1: have any, or you
3: have one black teacher? Because you said
1: we don't have I any. And you may have
3: one. I okay. think we might have one teacher. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I don't want to speak bad of my school. But the only black people I see on campus is the football coaches and our security guards and so i feel like that kind of speaks volumes to what the school is trying to project they're like we are not your black staff are not educators here they are strictly here to watch you and they're strictly here to enforce the rules so i think they're trying to kind of not criminalize but make it look like the black face at their school is not there for their own safety security um well-being their education they're there to make sure that they keep them in line, So they don't try and go to resort to the black people, they go to our white counselors, our white staff and other people to try to kind of bridge out, spread out and kind of divert us from our own people on campuses by giving mm. them that um, kind of criminalized, cause you know, black people in the police is not, it's not a good um, relationship. So by putting black police officers on our campus, they're making us divert from them into our white or um, staff of other colors.
6: Mm. um can i add on to that yeah you right here on to your question of why do they have black security guards i think it's a mix of um that the other teachers don't know how to quote-unquote handle the black students they don't know how to properly take care of the black students and also i think that they do that to say oh the black kids have see a familiar face when the black security guards tell them to calm down they're going to do it they're going to shut up and sit down because that's what they were told by someone who looks like them by someone who who they can trust so i think those are the two reasons
1: i would agree with you i would agree with that what about and you
6: I, go ahead and i
5: and i think they kind of take the system like advantage of the system Because of how, especially black males, because I've never seen a female super, like a female that was black, a black, like, you know, campus supervisor. I've only seen males, I've only seen black men. So I feel like they kind of take advantage of the system because usually black men, they're kind of, they're not really raised to be as emotional as women are. They're more so raised to, be, you know, keep it tough, you know, you can't cry, you know, men don't cry. You have to be like this and you have to be like that, you know, you have to be careful and things like that. So it's just more so like the system is hard to black men it's like it's so rude and it's so it's so sad because it it treats them terribly so they kind of use it to their advantage of oh yeah I know he's had a rough life oh I know he's had some past and this and that I'm gonna have him on my campus because he can rough a kid up <clears throat> if need mm. be. He can make sure he can, you know, pick this kid up and you know, like the one supervisor did that we see in that video of pick this kid up and body slam her if we need it to happen. If kids is fine, we need this face right there. And we need this man and we need this black man. And it's really ridiculous because I remember seeing students fight and I remember the the um the principal seeing sending the on-campus um supervisors out there and they're black minds. And then they had the on-campus supervisors talk to the parents. And the parents was black. So it's just more so them taking advantage of, you know, okay, let me put a black face in front of them while, you know, I suspend their kid for seven days for really no reason,
1: stuff like that. Well, they can't suspend you for seven days. They can go to five. If they go over, if they go over five, they have to do an extension, I believe. And then um, normally that's because they're about to put somebody up for expulsion mm-hmm. um, after 10 days. So. um I'd have to look at those numbers, but I think that's how that goes. Um, and so when we're talking about the people that are interfacing with families, are the, st- are the same people that are administering discipline. Now, your vice principals are the ones hired to administer discipline. So are they giving that security guard part of that check while, this, while the uh, VP is sitting on his behind somewhere collecting his check? If they're doing your job, why aren't they being compensated for that? And that's a whole nother rabbit hole that we can go down. Um, I don't know about, no, they're not disciplined school shooters because school shooters, sometimes they just walk out and they take them to Burger King or whatever they do. Um, But they're supposed to um, send them up there and and discipline. They probably kick them out, though, um, because they're a danger to themselves. And nine times out of ten, you have other white parents that are complaining. And, you know, when white parents get to complaining, things start moving. I don't know if y'all saw that. Um, You saw all these parent coalitions over the summer or over, not the summer, because we almost to the summer, over this course of this year, um, talking about they wanted these schools reopened. Um, and things started moving when the white parents got into it. Um, A lot of times when there are incidents on your school campus, um, the white parents are the ones who come up there and they threaten a lawsuit. That's why these black kids end up getting the book thrown at them because nine times out of 10, our families ain't coming with the lawyers, right? Um, We're just coming up there to talk and see what happened and see if we got to check little JoJo or whatever it is. Um, We're not thinking about the consequences of parents coming up there and getting their narrative out first because it's really whoever got has the narrative out first. That's who they're going to, you know, run with that ball, right? And so when we're talking about these different things and we're seeing how things are playing out on this, those campuses, it's important that you guys know the rules of the game. You can't exploit the rules if you have no idea how how they manifest. So I, I'm just looking at it and yeah, I, I'm tired. I'm tired of complacency. I'm tired of seeing our kids get hemmed up. You know, when you have these SROs on campuses, if they give you a citation, you know that you are simultaneously thrown into the criminal juvenile justice system and the educational dis- discipline system. And so it's like navigating both systems simultaneously. And it's most times a no-win situation. And they're using Black folks to to go ahead and affect that negatively. And um, um, we need that to stop. Um, as far as uh, EGUSD, if any families come to me, I'm not sending them to legal compliance. I'm not having them retell their story. We're going to fill out a uniform complaint. We're going to fill out a civil rights complaint. We're going to do all of that without going through the legal compliance because they're, they are there to protect the institution, not the well-being of Black children. And we need to talk about that. Um, and I don't care if it is a Black woman in there. And if she happens to hear that, she could call me and we can have a conversation. Um, but the detrimental impact of her non-action, I see it in the families that I serve, in the students that I serve, and they end up not trusting anybody because they saw a black person and they thought that black person would do right by them. We need to talk about that. What were you about to say, Melissa? I, saw, I think I saw you on mute.
2: Yeah, I wanted to add something to a question that you asked earlier, like how does it feel when there are Black people on your campuses that should be there to help you and they don't? And I just wanted to say like the world without other Black people tearing you down, the world is already doing that. Society, everybody else, even historically, they're doing that. So it's like these people that look like you, they should support you. So when they aren't, it makes you question everything about yourself. Like if someone of my skin color is against me, you're pretty much against yourself almost and so how am i supposed to continue to know my worth and to know what's right for me to stand up for to stand up for my people when some of those very people aren't going to stand up for me or appreciate that i'm standing up for them and their right to live like it doesn't make any sense
1: you're right you're absolutely right and i wanted to jump
5: on and refer to how parents we can we're coming not coming for them but saying like you know this conversation isn't just toward directed at school staff and stuff like that this is directed toward our parents too especially the heads of the household the ones you know making it all go down the ones allowing us to go to these schools it's important that you guys are to at least attempt to get involved and try to because you see how when all those parents came together they made something shake And I feel like if there are more of us Black parents, our Black parents having them involved, letting them know about what's occurring, and having them talk to someone who actually knows, especially when it comes to, because I remember my mom being like, listening to the teacher, and then it got to a point to where I actually started telling her, and I would when I got a phone, I would call her, and i let her hear. And then she'd be like, oh, well, the teacher told me something completely different. Yeah, I have a problem with this. So I feel like it's very important that, like, parents, you know, you guys actually look into stuff, because your children nine times out of ten, they're not lying about their teachers. Nine times out of ten, their teachers are actually doing what they're sitting here telling you or are doing, and the teachers are giving you the wrong story. So I feel like it's very important that, you know, as the parents aren't as, you know, oh, well, whatever the teacher said, you know, you can make up the work. No, your child shouldn't have been sent out in the first place. You shouldn't have to force them to make up the work because they didn't even do anything wrong. You should be coming and talking to that teacher because why did he send your child out for no reason? I feel like it's important that parents get together. Like, how about you try and get involved in your students' education, too? Because at the end of the day, you're the one raising this child. Like, they're, we're bringing the horse to the water, but we can't force it to drink. You taught, you taught, you taught the child. Like, you taught it. It lives in your household. You feed it. So I feel like it's important that you at least come and be on these campuses and be present when you can. I understand parents work and parents have jobs, but it's also important because you don't want your child to end up a part of the system because the education system, it it leads us into two places, you know, it is either going to have us in prison or us, you know, struggling, you know, not really succeeding. And we don't see people who succeed because they don't talk about that. So I feel like it's important that y'all get involved and talk to them and talk for us because a lot of times, sometimes your kids don't know what to say. And I understand a lot of parents, y'all been through the education system. Y'all know how hard it is. And it has gotten 10 times worse because we have all these new things. We got technology. We got all this other stuff. So it's it's more crazier.
6: Mm.
1: Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, and there are ways in which parents could get involved. And in, I will tell you right after Lex, because it looks like she unmuted and she was about to talk. Lex?
3: Yes. Um. But I just want to jump back onto something Melissa said Um. just now. Um, With Black people, with you not being able to trust Black people, you know, she said, we go into the world, we already know it's hard. So, you know, when we see that friendly face, we're going to be like, hey, can you help me with this? Or I'm trying to do this. Can you help me? Can you give me a leg up? And then they actually cut your leg, like, shorter, and you're actually not getting up on a higher place because you think, oh, they're in a higher place. They can help me. They can give me that boost. And then they do the exact opposite. Then I feel like that can also relate to trauma or, like, going to school, not trusting anyone at all period. Like you're in there like, I can't trust this black person because they're not actually here for me. I can't trust these white people because, you know, sometimes white people be crazy. They're not here. They don't value my education. And you think this one black person here will, and then they don't. So then you just feel completely hopeless. And so then kids go into life saying, I can't trust anyone or even adults <clears> going to life be like, I can't trust anyone. There's no one here I can trust. But mainly our students be like, if I can't trust this person and I know I can't trust this person, then why, what am I still doing here? Because even the people who look like me ain't really here for me. So then you're, just, you're kind of stuck and just like, what, what am I doing? How am I going to find myself? How am I going to find my education? Find out where I want to be. If this black person who's here looking at me saying, you're not going to get there. Literally, it, it's
5: like they leave us stuck. And then they wonder why kids are lonely. They wonder why we randomly just have outbursts. They wonder how one thing might just trigger us and we just flipping out, like going off about stuff. Because no, it's not just this one thing that contributed to me acting like this, to me feeling like this. No, it's years and years of me going through stuff. That's why I'm not quiet. I'm a high schooler now and I'm going to talk my stuff. I'm going to talk about how I feel. I don't care how you feel about it. If you don't feel some type of way and you don't agree, I'm going to your boss. I don't care because I've been complacent since kindergarten. Oh yeah, y'all don't woke me up. Now I'm going to talk about it. And I don't care who. (laughs)
1: I just get so much, I don't know, and and maybe, you know, some people would look at this or listen to this podcast and be like, she just lets them do whatever. Yeah. You do what you can do about it. They go say what they say. And you do what you can do about it. Um, I believe in, in again, in student voice. And um, they're telling you from their experiences what it is. How how dare I come in and tell them, no, you have to say it different because people will be listening and they might get offended. We don't care if you're offended. Um you know if the shoe fits if, if it if it ain't you let the water run run off your back like a duck and keep it keep it pushing um because i i just think that there's not a lot of times that our students can come into a space and feel 100 percent comfortable with being their authentic selves um and we want to encourage that um of course we expect them to do things in moderation um, like, I, I, don't, I ain't with all the getting smart with the parents. I can't co sign that. Um, but sometimes, what I do know is that they're on these campuses and people are taunting them. People are doing things to them. They didn't know better before. And now they, their eyes are open and they see it. Um, so um, that's all I got to say, Janice. I'm, I'm with it. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Um, because it's important. We're done talking about it with these folks we expect action at this point you know what the problems are the problems have been pervasive for years nobody is telling you anything that you don't know about now what are you going to do to fix it period excuse me time is over go ahead mama
5: i feel like it's so important that we start to see solutions because we come on here every monday we're talking about something new we are literally going off about something new because there's always something crazy continuing to occur. So I feel like it's significant. El Grove Unified EGUSD, we need results. We need to see something. We need some plans, some action plans, some thoughts, some ideas to see what y'all are going to do about the problem because we continue to talk about it. And we continue to feel these emotions, the pain from going through y'all school systems and watching how our peers turn up, watching how our peers turn out and watching what's done to us and seeing it on a daily basis.
1: We talk about And you it using day. Black people to help in, inflict the trauma. We're done with that, too. So tired of <laughs> We're it. We're done with I'm that, so too. So um, to that. And I, I need to just Don't put one me. caveat. The problem is a lot of people think Black people are a monolith. Some of us ain't from the same tribe. Let's be clear. Uh, some of these, I, I remember I got this shirt from Atlanta uh, when we went out there to talk to the school district out there, and it says, scared Negroes will get you killed. And I love that shirt um, because it speaks so many different Mm -hmm. things to me at the same time. Um, We cannot move and we cannot progress as long as there are scared people unwilling to move their feet. So that means if we got to step on your damn feet, either you move your feet (laughs) or (laughs) you're going to get stepped on because we can no longer allow our students to be casualties of, of war, right? Because I remember, uh, I don't know if y'all have seen this movie, y'all kind of young, but Romeo Must Die with Aaliyah and DMX, rest in peace to both of them. Um, he said, uh, even fake wars have casualties. And that has stuck with me for a very long time. Um, and so we have to be very, very intentional on how we move, how we love, how we um, make things easier for our students who are specifically traumatized a lot. And it's not just white folks doing it. Some of y'all other so-called people of color, which is why I don't use the term, are anti-black. And we gotta be clear about that. And there's some black folks who ain't from America who are anti-black too, and we gotta call that out too. So we have to be willing to say things that make people uncomfortable. And I I remember this sister, I was on a panel with her and she said, don't worry about it. I brought my own friends. I'm not looking to be popular. <laughs> so I'm going to say the same thing. I, brought, I have my own friends. Um, I'm not looking to be popular. What we have to do is change the way in which this system has engaged our children or we got to be bold enough to pull our kids out. Either we're going to get in the game or we're going to pull them out. Those are our two options. It just is. So we're about we're about 2 3 minutes uh away from our shutdown so let me just uh give these announcements real quick for those of you who don't know celebration weekend is this weekend that means we have a prom event going on Friday night bring the fam we love families um and we have our graduation um Uh, graduation celebration this Saturday. We're looking for uh, graduates from class of 2020 and 2021 because 2020 didn't get their chance to walk the stage and we wanna make that happen for them. We are also acknowledging kids who have promoted from preschool, elementary, and middle schools. So um, if you want more information on that, you can go to our website, www.bylp.org and click on the events tab. It says celebration weekend and the information is there get your tickets um, because we want the fam to come out and and spend some time in community with us and our kids from LA are flying up or driving up so we get to have a whole party all weekend and we want you to know that you are invited. Um, Number two, if you're looking for things to get involved in as parents, as black parents, BYLP has a black parent support network. We are here for you. We are here to help you navigate the system. We are here to tell you about the things that we've learned as advocates in the system. Um, If you wanna get connected with that, again, it's on our website, bylp.org slash BPSN, black parent support network. Um, Janice had a birthday. Shout out, Miss Janice made the big one five. Shout out to Miss Janice, and I am actually celebrating my fourteenth wedding anniversary today. Can y'all believe I've been married fourteen years? Yeah, I know you can't see the gray because I didn't colored it um <laughs> with some hair color. Um, but yes, I have been married 14 years and he is still alive, well and kicking. So that's a blessing all in itself. That somebody, you know, just put your hands up, say thank you, God. Okay, amen. Um, and uh with that, uh, we have two more episodes of the Black versus the Board of Education podcast for this month, June 21st and 28th. Um, if you have a topic you want us to cover, email it to us at podcast at dot org. The ladies are showing you their shirts, they want you to make sure. Um, that you get your B uh, black versus the board of Education T-shirts also available on our website through our student store. Uh, did I cover all of that? Oh, thank you. Hey, Mari. Um, did I cover everything, ladies? I, th- I think so. Mariah, we gonna see you this weekend?
4: For the graduation, I'm trying to make it out.
1: Girl, come on come we'll talk offline but if you want to come both days i, I think i can handle your salary for the weekend mm-hmm. um with that uh <laughs> we go get out of here on that thank you uh miss gabrielle or Gabriel, gabrielle i think that's what it is uh thank you very very much so on one two three we're going to hit y'all with that wave see you next monday um uh four o'clock right here on facebook and insta or youtube lord god okay on youtube <laughs> So with that, we're going to hit you with the wave. One, two, three, see you next week.